On this episode, I sit down with Ryan Owen, who just happens to be my cousin. He's a cinematographer and video editor in the GTA. He owns his own business called Truspective Media, and he's worked with a bunch of agencies around Toronto. He shares his story of making the leap from a nine to five job that he actually loves into the unknown world of freelance. We also talk about what it's like to make mistakes on set and how to push past them. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. If you had to do like a elevator pitch of like who you are, who, what would you say? Like what best describes you? Um, that's a good question. I guess what best describes me, well, first off, I'm obviously I'm a videographer, so I like doing video content for businesses specifically. Mm -hmm. Ever since I was in high school, I've always had this intrigue in business and always wanted to merge somehow video and business. Um, so my company name that I go under is called Truspective Media. And if I were to ever give a, uh, an elevator pitch, it would be talking about truthful marketing. You hear a lot of these like superficial type of BS <laughs> commercials and you're just like right away you're over it. And I've always been a fan of marketing of, of like certain commercials or certain pieces of content where that makes you go, wow, okay, that's actually kind of dope. Right. Like the real stuff, the true stuff. Right. So whenever I go into businesses or anything that I do, I like to obviously like know who they actually are and what they, like why. And I know that sounds like like kind of cliche and stuff, being like, what's your why? No, but like seriously, why do you do tiles? Why is that your passion? Why is that something you actually want to do? And what's that story behind it that we can try and bring to other people to say why they should hire you versus, I don't know, like the guy at Home Depot. I don't know if they do tiles or not, but something as simple as that, right? So I guess my elevator pitch would be, what is your true perspective on what you do? And let's get people to know about that in a truthful way where they can kind of attach to that and not just like listen to you being like, oh, we care about customer service. Yeah, no shit. Everybody cares about customer service. And that's always something that like people always go towards. So let's mm -hmm. try and find something different. People are like, okay, that's actually kind of dope. If you care about that, that's why I want to hire you for doing whatever you do, whether it's a gym, you do tiles, like anything really yeah the company yeah. just needs to be able to like back themselves up yes so for anybody listening um true perspective where can they find you uh i don't know i guess all the all the usual places usually instagram and facebook is, is what i do a lot of stuff on mm -hmm. before we dive in a little bit deeper on what you do i just want to ask um some basic intro questions cool short answers yeah First things that come to the top of your head. Yeah. First one is, uh, what's a recent uh, movie or book that impacted you in some Ooh. sort of way? Or maybe just a favorite that you kind of look back to. Uh, okay, uh, definitely movies. Mm -hmm. I don't read a lot of books. So I'm, go I'm, gonna, I'm going to go with movies. <laughs> um, I don't like a lot of action movies. Obviously, the production value of that is like dope. And if I were to ever watch that, that's the only thing I look at. But the movie Whiplash was probably one of my favorite movies. Yeah. The way that that was shot, it was like super indie. I really like Miles Teller as an actor. J.K. Simmons? Rowling. Simmons. I always get that one mixed up. <laughs> I know, I just really like that movie. And there's a scene, um, just a quick like five, ten second montage scene of like the trumpets and the 
um, trombone. Is that what it's called? Trombones? Trombone. Trombone. Yeah. I don't know. Just everything about that movie was, was pretty dope. But most recently, the movie called A Quiet Place by John Krasinski. I just saw that. That in one was heavy. Yeah. That one was, was was pretty cool. Is it definitely? I like I like horror films, especially in the way that they're shot, mm-hmm. especially when they're as original as that, mm-hmm. which is not a lot. Not a lot of talking. Everything's pretty quiet. Obviously, the sound design on that was was pretty like yeah. that's a heavy part of it. So for sure, yeah. That, I have a huge problem right now with. Uh, I just feel like the whole Hollywood industry isn't really trying anymore. They're doing all these action films and stuff because it's safe. And it trendy. makes a lot of money. Yeah. It's on trend. Yeah. But there's no good new writing come out coming out. I so totally agree. when something like this comes out And that's why I referenced to even Whiplash too. Like Whiplash was yeah, so different. I forgot like, about that movie actually. Yeah. That was so good. Yeah. Those different uh, movies that aren't just like the stereotypical rom-com or just an action movie or just every, like everything else. It's got to be new and different. That's some of that intrigues me. Mm-hmm. What's an artist or album that you've been listening to re- recently? Well, that's a good question. I don't usually listen to a lot of albums. Um, but on my way here, I actually listened to Post Malone's new album. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Beer Bongs and Bentleys? Yeah. That one's pretty good. I didn't get through all of it, but I do like that. I like Russ a lot too. Definitely more of like a hip hop guy. So mm-hmm. cool. Post Malone, Russ, um, Shad, mm-hmm. for sure. I know. I know we kind of like Shad. Oh, we're, yeah. we're both kids. We definitely listen to Shad a lot. Um, yeah, definitely hip hop. Not more, I guess, mainstream. Like I do like Drake too. So I, I guess I can't say that. But so I don't know. I guess everybody. in a sense, I really dig alternative type of hip hop, just different sounding hip hop. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thoughts on pineapple and pizza? Are you against uh, or are you for? I'm against. I don't like pineapple at all. So even it being on pizza, just a, a hell no. Um, do you think the earth is flat? Um, no, because I watched The Flat Earth by Ty Evans, and he proved with his 360 VR cameras <laughs> that the earth is not flat. <laughs> cool, man. Um, we'll come back to these maybe later in I the like show that. i like that there's quick little fun <laughs> hidden questions that's nice what have you like what have you been up to lately so i've been doing a lot of work for a gym that i'm actually partnered with called kingdom of iron mm-hmm. it's, it's a new gym that's in my hometown of bolton ontario and we've been really trying to take youtube seriously within the last couple of years probably the last four years mm-hmm. so the right story time. of it's, it's actually a pretty cool story the story of that gym opening was that the main owner of that uh, of the gym was actually a longtime friend of mine. I've known him ever since grade four. We've been super close. Um, you go into high school, you meet different people. We kind of split up a bit. We still kept in touch a bit, but obviously not as much. Yeah. We went to different colleges. Right when I graduated college, I remember going on Facebook and saw that he posted a picture of a squat rack that he made by himself, that he welded together in metal, and it looked pretty good. And he was like trying to start this garage gym. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, that's pretty dope. So he lived actually pretty close to the de- the dentist that I go to. So I went to the dentist. I got a root canal. And right from there, I went over to his place. And we shot the very first video, which is still on the YouTube channel right now, called the Barra Strength Intro. So this gym used to be called Barra Strength because that's his last name, Ryan Barra. Uh, I get it. So it was just a like a promo piece, just kind of interviewing him with some B-roll and stuff like that. But I remember I could barely speak to ask him questions because I had root canal and a whole bunch of freezing. So you're swallowing a so little bit? I was swallowing. I was like, my face was numb. I was barely speaking well. But somehow we still pulled off that video. And that kind of kick-started the whole, our whole video uh, YouTube campaign of, of, of that branding. Mm-hmm. So that was in September. 
And our very next video was like a Halloween skit, a Halloween horror skit, which mm -hmm. did not do well on that channel. But it was because it was like the first couple of videos, right? So, oh, yeah. But then from there, we've really focused on just doing a lot of skit stuff. It was weird because you have to think about the industry that you're in and, th and the type of content you want to be doing. If you're a gym, the first thing you think about the type of videos they'd be doing would be work workout videos. Yeah. And stuff like that. You're like, yeah. you don't want to be like everyone else. Self-help. Yeah, self-help, <laughs> stuff like that. So Ryan is a really good personality on camera. He doesn't shy away from that red light on the camera. So he kind of oh, like yeah. takes advantage of it. So got a good personality. He has that. a really good personality. So within the past couple of years, we've been really focusing on the skits and some vloggy stuff just to show our personalities and stuff. Mm -hmm. So our very first big success was actually one of the main skits that we did called different types of spotters you find at the gym. Mm -hmm. And this first one was actually shot in his garage gym. And at this point he had the squat rack, a couple other pieces of equipment, used pieces of equipment that he bought. So this gym with this garage gym was actually coming together pretty well. And we post, we post that on Facebook. We put it like $5 into it just as like a sponsor thing, just oh, to try yeah. and get like new people to, to watch it. And we got 80,000 views on that. Damn. And at the time we were like, holy crap, this is like dope. And little did we know that later down the line, we'd get a video at 31 million views. We have another 31 video. 31 million views? We have, we have a video at one, 31 million views, another one at 2.5, another and another, another one just at one. Are you sponsoring these videos? Um, Like a on Facebook? Uh, wherever your uh, outlet is, Facebook or YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. Or I don't. Can you sponsor on YouTube? I, I don't know, know how that works. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can. So, I don't know why I said that. Yeah. So the fa the Facebook one, that first one was eighty thousand. We were super stoked on that. Um, and it did okay on YouTube too. I think it only had like twenty thousand. But this being our like fourth video that we posted on YouTube. Wait, wait, wait. Do you do you embed? Is it the YouTube link that they're watching on Facebook, or is no. it video posted so, on? Facebook? Yeah. So that first one was we posted that video to Facebook. We also did on YouTube as well. I got. But it, it was a native so Facebook. Two. Yeah, it's there's two of them. So there's there's a native Facebook one that got like eighty thousand views, which obviously Facebook, especially at the time, Facebook I think right now is kind of going a bit downhill, it's especially changing. with everything else that's going on with Facebook. It's changing with the paid content and the way that companies work with that paid content. Like, you basically the way it works now is you have to pay more to yes. be seen. Yes. Which is shit. I mean, so. but it does make sense because you think about it. It's it's how much should the attention cost way yeah. back when, when no sure. one was using Facebook and people, I guess like big corporations or like most business were still using like radio, TV, traditional stuff. Mm -hmm. Obviously Facebook was underpaid. Now that like people are understanding this new wave of the internet. These are where people. And that obviously Facebook's going to up the charges because they know how well it actually works. Yeah. And even upping those charges is nothing like putting something on TV. And obviously I'm not talking about like a mom pause shop, obviously. Mm -hmm they can't do that it's more co like corporation stuff but still like even facebook ad charges are a lot more but still worth it type of thing definitely yeah so nowadays you're pretty much um making content for the gym producing mm -hmm. new stuff yes trying to make new videos yeah is there anything in the future that you think is uh, uh something different from what you guys are doing do you have anything in the works right now that you can uh, yeah um, to say for right now because the gym is still a baby we haven't even been open for a full year yet oh wow it's coming soon I think actually actually you know what today was the very first day I don't know when you may be airing this but today was the very first day that we got the keys a year ago to open up the gym wow so today is May first today is May first twenty eighteen 
So May 1st, 2017, we got the keys to, to the main facility that we're in now. That's crazy. To fully renovate and make a proper gym. Just not a garage gym, but move all the equipment. And How long did the first reno take? Seven weeks. It was pretty heavy how how much, how hard we worked on that. It, yeah. You guys <laughs> and still we've logged, work hard. We vlogged the whole thing. There's, there's a YouTube series that we have on the channel called Opening the Gym. It's just called the Opening the Gym series. And there's eight episodes. There's one called Day One. And then it's week one, week two, three, all the way to seven. Oh, wow. um, so yeah, we, we vlogged every step of the way of, of all the triumphs and tribulations that we went through, um, the fun times, the bad times, all that kind of stuff, just to see it going from just an empty space to what it's in now. So for people listening, what uh, where can they find this series and all these videos that you're talking about? It's on YouTube, Kingdom Kingdom of Iron. Correct. Yep, YouTube Kingdom of Iron. If you go on our page, we have a couple of playlists. Uh, there's playlists called Skits, Building Your Kingdom, which is kind of like our businessy, talky stuff that we did from in the garage and mm-hmm. the challenges and stuff we had from there, just trying to grow it into eventually being into the facility. And then we made the new playlist of us actually renoing the facility, making it from just an empty space, which used to be a gym, which was actually a huge plus for us that there were still like kind of mirrors attached and uh, the space and the layout still kind of looked like a gym. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, we we're just taking like a, like some kind of weird warehouse and trying to make it into a gym. Mm-hmm. It was already a gym that was poorly managed in, in the, uh, in the town. And yeah. That makes it a little bit easier for you. Guys. Yes. Yeah. It was huge. Um, let's take it back like way before you got that root canal. Mm-hmm. Um, you were living in the city. How long do you live in the city for? I lived in the city for probably around four years. Right on. And yeah. you actually went to film school, right? I did. I went to Niagara College for uh, broadcasting radio, television, and film. So going into that program, I knew that I wanted to take the TV route mm-hmm. because in my grade 11 internship, I work at Rogers TV mm-hmm. and working in the control room behind the scenes, looking at the director switch between cameras. I'm like, this is, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. Right. So going into that program, I knew that I wanted to do TV. Um, so first year, you get to do all three, radio, television, and film, which is cool for a lot of other people because there's a lot of people in the program who are like, I don't know what I want to do. Totally. Which is pretty dope. You get to choose in between those three. Second year, you have to choose production or presentation, being on camera or being behind the camera. So if you're on camera, you'd be doing like on TV stuff or on like radio stuff like anchor, this. Anchors and anchors, stuff, stuff like that. Like that. Oh, cool. Or you being behind the scenes and like making films and making TV broadcasts, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I took TV all the way through until third year. I got a job at uh, CTV right out of school and I was working for um, a department in CTV called DMC, which is Digital Media Control. And what we do is we'd put these shows through some encoder so it can play back on the websites and on the CTV Go app, the TSN Go app, everything that Bell Media owned at the time. Got it. Um, and then later on down in that job, I actually worked on the Crave TV project. So it's still we still ran all those shows through this encoder. Um, and yeah, and we made Crave, which was a huge project. Our, our department went from four people to 12 in like two weeks because of that project. We're like, we need to get this done. So we just hired a whole bunch. They just hired a whole bunch of other people. So yeah, we got that done. And I started to realize that it's easy to get stuck in those kind of jobs, which is cool if that's what you're about. If, if you're cool with just kind of, you know, just finding a job that pays well and you're there and you do your job, that's cool. But But for me, it really ate at me that... I'm at this job just on a desk doing something that I understood well because I learned it, but was not that creative at all. And when you're a creative person, you can't 
express that or you're tied up in that nine to five mm-hmm. that you needed to let that go. So I was doing a lot of side work, obviously videographer work on the, on the side, just, just to keep that going. And one of the gigs that I did, I was walking back to the subway from one of our gigs with another videographer and we got to actually chatting during the shoot. You don't kind of just chit chat. Yeah, you're you, focused, you right? You don't have time. You don't have time to do that. So finally got to like chat with him one-on-one just like as homies, I guess. And mm-hmm. he was telling that how he was leaving his job. I'm like, well, what's your main job? He's like, well, I work at a creative agency just doing all the video content for them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's dope. Do you mind putting my name in? And then two weeks later, I get the job. And this is late December 2015. No, 2014. And my very first day of working there was January 5th of the next year, 2016. And my very first day on the job, they flew me out to Winnipeg to shoot an interview for Shoppers Drug Mart. Holy crap. And I was hella nervous of because because uh, that was my first time being the one man show. First day in the job, first flight. Yes, first flight. No, I've I've flown around. No, but for for yes. that company. Yes, and they flew me first class, which uh, was actually kind of nice, like off of points that they had, crap. which was it was a pretty crazy experience. But uh, I, I kind of wanted to share the story. I kind of made I kind of made a big mistake. And obviously, no one's perfect, and, and it, I kind of want to talk about this mistake because I feel like people can can learn off of failures. On this first day, well, actually, so I got hired late December, right? So mm-hmm. during that break, during that Christmas break, I brought all of their gear home with me so I can learn it. Oh, of course. So that I'm like, I can go there and not be like, oh, what does this camera do? My very first time actually like being the main camera op of a C100, mm-hmm. which coming from just DSLRs, is, I guess, is somewhat of a change. Yeah. Dealing with like big audio things. With the DSLR, you can just plug in a mic and it works. Yeah. You, with a C100, you kind of have to curve. do things. Yeah. Big, big, big learning curve there. So I did like a lot of buildups and teardowns of this equipment when, when I was back home, but I didn't record anything and look back at it, which kind of <laughs> made for the mistake, which what happened. So. We're just a, just a testimonial type of thing, interviewing pharmacists, uh, uh, managers, stuff like that, right. just, just for an annual, annual general meeting. I decided to not look into my audio settings, and I had the lav mic going and the um, shotgun mic going. Sure. And they were mixed together as one stereo instead of two monos. So the audio on these were pretty atrocious. And that's being on your first shoot. And your boss is just like, what the hell? So we fixed it to make it like we gave it to an audio guy. We fixed it. But that's kind of a crazy way to start your like professional video <laughs> career on your very first day on your very first shoot. It's such an epic story. So we're like as a stereo track does it combine the two yeah so it combined the lav mic so you can't separate it no it can't it's not like oh i'll just turn off the right channel exactly they both weren't recorded two separate mono sorry mono ones it was connected together so that that was pretty that was a big not like a wake-up check but like a yeah like a reality check being like you're in this now this is like you're working for an agency that has big clients like shoppers drug mart and i've also done some stuff with tim hortons burger king stuff like that like these are big clients where you can't Mm -hmm. kind of make those mistakes yeah you don't have time to be um like driving through menus and Mm -hmm. it's a one shot if you miss what they say it's missed it's gone yes you can tell them to do it again but even the way that they say it yeah it will never be the same they're not saying it natively yes yeah exactly so get your audio level straight kids. <laughs> yeah yeah just it's a tough uh tough journey everyone loves talking camera gear getting new camera gear and it's one thing that even 
like starting this, I was like, I know nothing about audio. Yeah. I know nothing like, where do I record at? Where do I like, how do I not peak? How do I do this? What yes. do I need to record? Yes. Everything like yeah. that. It's such a overlooked thing, I think. Especially from us coming from more of a video aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like I, and I'm pretty sure I could speak on your behalf too, of like how we got into video was like through skateboarding. Oh, yeah. And through skateboarding, you don't have to worry about audio that much. <laughs> just it just makes sure like you can hear the you know the, yeah. the skate stuff and just it's more about like the angles of the camera yeah. rather than the audio the audio is just there and you can make it work with the music but when mm-hmm. you're talking testimonials where you want to have like audio quality just like we're talking right now in this mic like mm-hmm. this is good audio quality it's something that's definitely important in that aspect rather than us just being kids just filming skateboarding yeah totally yeah totally different so you were working at that he like was he super bummed on that when that happened? I mean, because we did fix it and it was salvageable and Thankfully. he understood that it was my first, like, obviously, like he, he was very empathetic to the whole situation. It which he is wasn't just cool. like, yeah, which was hella cool. He wasn't just like an a-hole being like, nope, you screwed up. You're gone first day. Yeah, But in Toronto, yes. I think that's uh, saving yes. grace for somebody to be like, you know what? Yeah, that's cool. That's fine. And what happened was like, obviously that was a big reality check for me. So I just like worked extra hard, like that whole month and the next month. And for, for that job and that, in that agency I was working for Mm -hmm. January and February were heavy months. So I would like stay until like nine most nights and they saw that work ethic. They're like, okay, everybody makes mistakes. That was still salvageable. This kid still cares. Yeah. It's, and he like, and I went up to like, I went up to everybody and apologized being like, yo, this is my bad. Like I wasn't an a-hole about it being like, oh yeah, whatever shit happens. No, you can't. So like they saw the whole grand scheme of things and understood that like it was on me. I apologize and I'm tr- trying to show the actions that like it's not going to happen again and I'm going to work hard. So, mm-hmm. but just a first shoot yeah. and they fly you somewhere and that, that happens. That was, that was kind of a bummer, but I feel like everybody's going to have those kind of stories and it's obviously it's more the sense of, of how do you get over that just like when, when you get kicked down, you have to stand back up. You yeah. can't just like be sitting down. So it's really how you push through those things yes. that determine who you are as a, a filmmaker or whatever you do, because yes. those types of things and how you deal with those types of things. Like maybe if you didn't apologize, they'd be like, you know what? This kid doesn't really know what he's doing. He didn't even like uh, acknowledge that he made a mistake. Yes. But the fact the way you carried yourself in the things that you did probably um showed your true colors yeah yeah that's exactly it um how long were you at that job for uh i was there for uh two and a half years and it was the best job i ever had i I have so much respect for those people for the people and i'll I'll name drop it it's an agency it's an agency called human contact Mm -hmm. and i have so much respect for them because the way that i left was i told them i had to leave because of how like the gym was up and running and i told them i'm like i'm still here at this nine to five and I just need to be there. And I gave them like a month grace period of like, mm-hmm. you know, people give two weeks. I'm like, you guys have done so much for me. Yeah. They allowed me to use all of their equipment for all of our shooting that we had at the gym. At the gym. And even before when, when we were in the garage gym, like having that production quality. I, at that time, I had no equipment. I had like a 7D and some crappy plastic lenses. But it really lenses. helps. But having a C100 and like L-series Canon lenses and like professional audio stuff and sliders and drones at some points where i can use like that really helped with even us just growing our youtube page so and then being super cool with that and understanding that eventually that was was going to happen that i was going to eventually transition into that Mm -hmm. and them still helping me out is is quite awesome and i still do lots of work with them which is which is pretty nice they still keep me pretty busy as a freelance so yeah 
yeah, it was what, really good. What was that um, transition like? And how did you come to terms with that decision? Like, okay, I'm leaving my nine to five and you actually like your nine to five. You're doing what you love. Yeah. Like granted, you're, you're still doing what you love. Yes. But no, that's a very important point. And that's something that was eating at me. Being It was, it was hard for me to finally make that jump because you, you hear the story of people having a nine to five at some job that they don't like. Yeah. That's, the, that's a stereotypical story. And you can leave that. Yeah. But I like this job. Like I was the main video person there. I had a lot of creative control. Mm-hmm. The clients were like pretty good clients that you get to work with, like heavy clients. Yeah, it was it was hard, but it was something that I've always wanted to do. And the big thing that turned me not turned me off, but the big thing that made me make that move was during the slow times. Obviously, like an agency has those times where like their clients For need sure. a lot of work, and obviously it slows down a bit. And those times where it slows down, where you're only working on one project. For like a, like a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and like you're working on it slow and slow, and it's the saying of like give work to a busy person and they'll get it done. And for me, like when I'm not busy, I'll just kind of just like slow down a bit, and I don't like that. And I remember just sitting, like there was a week where there was not a lot going on. I'm just sitting there being like, I could be at the gym right now. I could do something where uh. like more some like more stuff of what I'd like. So I had the conversation about doing some part time stuff. And mm-hmm. I did that for a bit where they just put me on like part, like three or four days yeah. a week versus five. Yeah. And that was still fine. But eventually got to the point where I'm like, okay, it's it's at that tipping point now where like I need to make this jump because of how busy and, and how much like the gym just like when I quit, the gym was a month going and we had a lot of traction within a month. Within a month, we went from like zero to 60 clients. Sure. And with gyms, like that's that's like with within a business plan, we're expecting like twenty or thirty a month, and eventually we get to like the numbers that we're at. Yeah. But in your first month, like you're doubling your expected like projections. Yeah, it's pretty damn. You're like, holy crap! Okay, this is like, yeah. If that's a sign, being like, something should happen, Mm -hmm. then something should happen. So. So it was because of the drive that you had, and it's funny that like, you get, uh, more drive from the more busy you actually are. Yes. It's a very unique uh, trait, and it's a pretty cool trait to have, I guess, yeah. especially in this industry, to thrive off, I want to be busy, I want to be doing stuff, because that means you're constantly learning, you're constantly producing, and you're constantly making mistakes, and then getting better from all that stuff. Facts. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> that's so true. No, that's, 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 you hit the nail on the head with that one. So, you left your job... And did you leave the city around that same time too? Uh, I left the job uh, in September and then I moved out of my apartment December 23rd. (laughs) What do you miss most about Toronto? Oh, that's a good question. I would say that most people would say the hustle and bustle. Things are always going on. Things Things are are moving. There's something to do. Yeah. My answer would be that there's always something in reach. Coming from some, not somewhat of a small town, but of a town where it was very spaced apart with things that you have to do. Like for me living in Calden now and where I grew up, to get into town, to even get groceries is like 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And being in a city where there's a whole bunch of cool random stuff, like stores that mm-hmm. are in business, like a ping pong lounge and stuff like that. Like you don't get that in Cali. You don't get that at all. And just being able to walk around. And just even just the vibes of like the big buildings, like just all like all that kind of stuff is mm-hmm. I do like that. I do like being around those vibes, just busy. It makes you feel like you're a part of something bigger, which, again, I know it's something that sounds kind of cliche. But when you're in it and you look around, and you see 
you see how many people there are and you're mm-hmm. like everybody's going somewhere everybody's yeah. doing something like there's it's, something bigger that's going on it's cool to be a part of like now you're one of those people yes when i go back to the city now it's not i don't have <laughs> not, the same not feeling not if not if when you go back to the city yeah <laughs> like when, when i go down and i'm doing something it's just it's not the same i don't have that same feeling because i'm not as relaxed that's very true because i still have friends that live down there and actually mm-hmm. probably after this podcast and, and after we're done chilling today i'm going to go see a friend and and he actually used to live in a part of town he's he lives in leslieville you know how i used to live oh, in leslieville yeah. he lives like one street over oh, so being wow. back being back in that part of town is pretty cool because leslieville is a, re- is a really cool spot but you're right c- coming back to the city not living there i do feel kind of different mm-hmm. than being there every day and just like being in it every day you appreciate like when I was had the chance to skateboard or bike around or to walk the dog, it was like I didn't care where I was going. Yeah. It was just like I'm happy that I'm doing this. Yeah. I'm happy that I'm like totally in the hustle and bustle and dodging these cars while I'm biking <laughs> and stuff. Like there was yeah. just such a high off doing that kind yeah. of stuff. And uh, something I guess something that made me really always want to live in Toronto was that uh, my dad he he does a lot of um, consulting, mm-hmm. like IT consulting. So there'd be a lot of random times when I was a kid that he'd always go go to Toronto and work and I'd just come with them. I guess just to keep a company and just because I liked Toronto at that time. Yeah. And one of his major clients was called the National Ballet of Canada. And that's like right beside the CN Tower. And if, and his office there had a really nice view of the city. And when being a kid, you're just there and you see like all wow. these big buildings. You're just like, wow, this is so cool. Oh, yeah. And obviously Toronto being a huge sports market as well. Totally. Like think about all of Canada. We... And who has the sports? Like we have the baseball we team. We have hockey. I guess is, is all around. But we have the baseball. We have the um, basketball. Hockey in Toronto is still massive. Like we TFC. have the fans. Yeah, we have and the, the fans, fans that, that to really put them it. on the map. Yes. Do you have any favorite spots in Toronto? Food oh. spots or oh, like I, th- I thought you were talking about skate spots. I'm like, yo, well, you can start <laughs> listing out skate spots. Um, oh, food spots. There's a. I'm a big shawarma fanatic. Oh, nice. Um, there is a shawarma shop in the Hastings market. So like in a convenience store yeah. right off of Davisville and Young. And I found that place because right after I graduated, so in between graduating. Such a random spot. It is such a random <laughs> spot. But BlogTO posted it as the second best shawarma <laughs> spot, which is not true because it's the first best shawarma spot. But in, <laughs> in between my uh, schooling and working at CTV, I worked at, for an agency called Blue Ant Media. Mm-hmm. And I I got to shoot a lot of cool stuff with them actually, which which I kind of want to talk about. I was working under Ox TV, which is a program that you can buy on satellite that you have to buy extra. It doesn't just come with like the satellite package. That's but weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird actually of, of how that worked out and maybe how it's still even in business. But I got to shoot a, a lot of cool concerts. I got to shoot the the Arkells. I got to shoot the X Ambassadors actually, which is kind of funny. The X Ambassadors opened for the Arkells. Who do you think is bigger right now? Well, that's how long ago was that? That was f- uh, four years ago. Yeah, right, right when I graduated, probably around four years ago. Wow. The ex ambassadors opened for the Arkells. They're both big. They're both big now. But I'd still debate that the ex ambassadors are a lot bigger than the they Arkells. They blew up really fast. Yes. That's like. And I think it's because of that Jeep commercial. Because the ex ambassadors <gasps> oh, have a song yeah. that's named after a Jeep car, so they use that. And it's a pretty heavy song. It's a pretty dope song. So I think that's kind of one of the main things that made them spur. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. But just seeing that. And they were still dope. Like like when I, we shot them too, just because we were there and we're like, cool, let's just shoot this band, which is super smart by the producer saying that because obviously they blew up and now we have the footage. 
And we like asked for the rights. There's no problems there. But oh, like yeah. those shot that were like we were there, we might as well just shoot and their at, opening act. At that act. point, if they're an opening band, yes. of course they and, want coverage. Yes, and the and the main part of that show was for emerging artists. Like four years ago, Arkells weren't as big as it was right now. So true. Yeah. So that that was that was pretty cool showing, showing with that. So again, that kind of went on a tangent. But working at Blue Ant <laughs> Media, their office was located at Davisville and Young, and and a couple of the local people that were, that were working there or people who worked there for a while introduced me to the shawarma shop and it's uh it's pretty good we went on a tangent there but best shawarma in the city davisville and young it's i forget exactly what it's called but there's a hasty market and this looks like there. a convenience store you walk in you walk into the back and the shawarma there and it's pretty dope what about you what's your favorite spot in toronto you've all, you've lived in toronto for for a while too oh that's so hard <laughs> it's so hard just to pick one I really like Maker Pizza. Yeah. It's not new, though, or did they just open up a new location? They opened up a new location. Okay. okay. Um, like Uptown Lawrence. Um, but yeah, they they were on Spadina and um, Queen area around there. Wow. That's, a, um, that's, a, that's down there. That's, that's in the thick of things. Yeah. Plug another one. There's a, a pizza place called Descendants pizza oh yeah descendants yeah in, yeah. Uh, in leslieville they just opened up uh when i was living there and i tried pitching them to do social media content for them and he wasn't having it which is kind of a bummer like even three four years ago so did you do it for f- did you do it first and then ask later no and i guess that, that was my mistake being new to that and not understanding like mm-hmm. their perspective on how like how to leverage that situation properly i probably should have I find something kind of unique to the creative industry itself, whether it's graphic design, illustration, uh, photo, video, that type of stuff. Yeah. You have to show, like, kind of, you have to showcase what you can do before you get anything. Yeah. Like, if you're doing a talking head, if you just say, yes, I can do that, nobody will believe you unless you say, I can do a talking head here's what it looks like yes i can do your social media here's what it would look like and when people can see oh okay he can do it it actually looks good yeah okay i can justify spending money but it just from my perspective it kind of sucks that people don't right off the top understand they're just like no i don't even know what you're talking about but no I don't want you to come in and take photos. Who needs that until you show them the value? You have to exactly. take the photos for free. If you're like pursuing a new client, a way to do it would be like walk in, buy really cool pizza, take photos, tag them on Instagram. Yes. Take more than one and then come back and then be like, here's what I did. This is the engagement that it could increase. People could see this pizza when you release something new and something like that in, in drive sales. It's just, it sucks that people don't see it that way. Yeah. I think that that's where becoming a freelancer is different than working in a job. Being Because for me, when I was working at Human Contact, I didn't have to deal with a lot of client stuff. Mm-hmm. My boss or the creative director would be like, cool, this is the project that we're working on. And then I got to shoot it and I got to edit it. I got to do all the creative work. I didn't have to pitch it and I didn't have to follow up with them. Which now being a freelancer, and I knew that was coming, that wasn't like it was a shock, because I saw it, but I didn't have to deal with it. But now being a freelancer, you have to deal with it. And especially when you have to like even try and get the client and pitch to them. You oh, have yeah. to show them that value. 
And that's exactly what you're saying. It's for us, we're like, we're in it. We know the value of it. But for these business owners, that's their business. This isn't their business. This will help their business, but they're not thinking about that. Yeah. They're thinking about like their business, how to keep their lights on, how to make sure they can still get people in and make good pizza and deal with their employees and mm-hmm. you know pay rent, all that kind of stuff. It's a huge learning curve. Like I knew I always wanted to edit. Great. I want to be a freelancer. Yeah. And then as soon as you make that step and, okay, I want to be a freelancer, it opens this world of you are not only the creative, you are customer service, you are sales, you are like... Quality control, everything. Yeah. It's just the the dealing with people part that I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that part, but that is the job. My job more nowadays is not even editing. It's sending emails, talking to people on the phone, yes, walking them through processes of like, this is how I work, this is how I expect you to be, um, and things like that. And I never thought it would come to that because I always pictured the like, oh, I'm just going to edit videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is going to be so sweet, but not the case. And a good thing, though, that is kind of a good thing because that's something that will help you grow. You can grow when you're creative of like how will you edit, how will you shoot. But now you're kind of growing as like a person and how you deal with other people, yeah. where even if you want to stay an editor, and even if you go back into a job and get back out of freelance, you're still gonna have to deal with people. For sure. And growing through those experiences will help you out in the long run of, of however you want to take mm-hmm. your freelance career. Mm-hmm. Again, I didn't get thrown to the wolves when I went to freelance and had to like try to understand that. I did understand that that was going to be a thing and something that would take up probably half or more than half of this whole freelancing thing, which is like shooting, editing, and doing that kind of stuff. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> I definitely didn't think it was going to be like that. Yeah. What is your biggest challenge that you face right now freelancing? The waves. The waves of clients being stoked and wanting to like push up their their content stuff and being mm-hmm. like, oh, this is busy. No, I, I just can't. And every time that I try and maintain relationships with, with clients, I'm like, I don't mind doing heavy work. I don't mind like doing the heavy lifting on things. Like if you need me to do anything outside the realm of just me shooting and editing, just to try and get these projects on the go, I'll do it. And having that initiative has really helped me out where there's being like, okay, well, just like, you know, talk to me later when like you're not that busy. No, you have to like stay on them mm-hmm. and be like, I understand you're like, you're running your business and I am the aspect that's supposed to be marketing and helping your business grow. Right. And I understand that when you're busy, that for me, it's not the first thing on your mind because if you're busy, why do you, why do you need more marketing? I get that. But I always try and push on them. True. The importance of consistency, especially within social media. Huge. It's massive. And here's another subtopic of that, which I've been really thinking about lately. There's the consistency of doing it every day or doing it consistent. So you have, you see people on YouTube who are like vlog every day. And I think that that's good. But if you do that wrong, that could actually be detrimental. That posting things every day, all the time is A, going, and Casey Neistat did this too. Like he posted stuff every day, all the time. And mm-hmm. it worked for him because he had the talent. And you have to have the talent to pull that off. Well, you have to have the talent and the drive. Yes. And he committed to yes. that. Yes, he did. He committed so to that hard. That's why it worked. It's not. But that was his business, too. Actually, he did run Beam, which is like his side. Not side, probably not, was his main not thing. Not when, like, he said that he, it wasn't, that wasn't his business. His oh, money making thing when he started that. Yeah. It was just like, can I do this? Yeah. And then he just fucking did it. Yeah. And I think in every single. Uh, like business has to kind of or, or person making content whether it's instagram or um youtube you can't put out content every day if it doesn't work for you 
Mm-hmm. I think actually, I guess that topic works for a YouTube thing. For Instagram, I think Instagram does make sense to do like a lot more consistently than YouTube, especially through stories and everything that Instagram can offer. Sure. And because of how that feed actually works, like that's such more of like a sliding feed where you go on YouTube and you, you kind click. of think of YouTube as like TV being like, oh, I want to watch this show. Right. Whether your show is going to be a skit or a vlog or the highlights of like sports or whatever, right. like your mindset is more of like, oh, I want to watch that show, yeah, whether it's commit. three minutes or 15 yeah. or even half an hour podcast or something like that. What do you guys do at the gym? Like, how do you handle that consistency? There's no real plan which I think kind of helps. There is a consistency that we want to do mm-hmm. and we try to do at least once a week. But if there's a couple of videos that, that we make and we always also like to look at the analytics of behind the YouTube. Right. When there's ever like a video doing pretty well yeah. and we have stuff on backlog, we'll start posting like every three or four or five days instead of once every seven. True. There's also weeks like, for example, and I'll just say the story, this past weekend, uh, we just went through a huge renovation. We we tore down a couple of walls. We ripped up some hardwood flooring. We put some mats down. It was a it was a massive project that we took on, and we did only do it in one day. But that project still had a lot of planning behind it mm-hmm. to make sure that we can execute it in one day. So there's gonna be random stuff like that that pops up where sometimes it'll be cool to like kind of hold off on like posting out a skit because we don't have no time to make that skit because we're playing on the like planning for this project right on top of them still needing to run a business of the gym yeah that gym still runs more classes yeah that gym kingdom of iron runs more classes than any other gym in bolton so in a sense i have no real answer of of how we do keep it consistent we there is no like oh we're going to post every monday which i know is a good tactic to have but for us i think it's nice just to go on youtube your subscription page and you scroll down, you're like, oh, cool, came of Iron posted a video. Right. Without thinking like, oh, it's Monday. Okay, like, just yeah. like the Nine Club. It's Monday, they're going to post like a podcast about right. the Nine Club. I think the difference in why it does work for you guys is because you are committed to, okay, no matter what day of the week, we're putting out a video this week. Yes. We have time to develop the idea, and that will take who knows how yep. long, and then shoot it, and then edit it and get it out. Yes. So every week... At least one yes. you guys strive for. Yes. And that's a huge commitment by itself. Yes. So yes, it, is. it works for you guys and that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, it's when, when times are a bit less busy and ideas keep on popping into our heads. And now it's the gym's getting to a really cool point now where a lot of our members are kind of pitching ideas to us. That's like, sweet. Like there'd be something that happens in the gym. And we're just like, holy crap, we can make a video. About that's that. a that's moment. Actually, that's actually pretty, like, pretty funny. A lot of our skit ideas now come off of that, just vibing with like members in the gym yeah. and just seeing random stuff happen. It just happens organically. Yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. What advice would you give people that are maybe in a full-time job right now and trying to make that jump into the freelance world or even just trying to, like you had a massive amount of time in each job learning new yes. things. Yes. So what could you say to people basically learning new things or trying to um, get more into freelancing and making that jump into their passion? I mean, uh, advice like that, I 
I will only give from my perspective. If you're in the nine to five job that you don't like, but mm -hmm. you have responsibilities and real life shit, like you have to pay a mortgage or maybe you have a kid or like random stuff like that. It's yeah. something that I can't really relate to. So it's not fair for me to give that advice. But for me coming from the nine to five of a job that I did like and always wanting to, to be freelance and I have always had the entrepreneurial spark in me, mm -hmm. that advice would be people would say there's never a bad time, but there is a good time. And what I mean by that was that there was a whole bunch of times during that job where I'm like, oh, I can just leave right now and I'd be good. Mm. And now looking back, if I did, I probably wouldn't have. So I did find that good time of there was there's a lot of other things that was going on outside of that job where it was a good time for me to go out and not starting from ground zero, but something more to fall on so that I can kind of keep me going back up. And right. that was obviously that's a big scare when people are trying to leave the nine to five. They don't want to go back down to like nothing yeah. and kind of go back up. So if you want to leave your nine to five, get your side whatever to something yeah. and write down in your head or on a piece of paper or whatever is make that something get to a certain spot and then tell yourself when it gets to that spot, you will jump. Yeah. Have don't an just attainable don't, goal. Yes. Don't just be like, oh, I'm over this. I'm jumping now. And then you just plummet. Yeah. Just make that side thing get to somewhere where you're like, okay, it's in that spot. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be easy. But it's in that spot, so make. But but you can make the jump now, so you're not starting from ground zero. I feel like a lot of people talk about it like it's making a leap, and it totally is. But you gotta have an exit strategy, yes, or something that is telling you to go there. Like when I did it, I was like, okay, for the foreseeable future, I have work. Yes, this is okay. Yes, <laughs> let's do it. And and I guess for me, it wasn't even a, a jump. It was. A transition. A, it was a super smooth transition where there was a full month of where it went from me working five days, nine to five to like three, mm -hmm. which made me like, which made those other four days of the week be the stuff that I wanted to do. So it was more like this, even just getting out of it on a micro was more like this being like, okay, cool. Rather than being like two week notice, cool. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> and then just trying to go back up. It was more like, and during that month was. Again, when the gym first opened up, going from zero to 60 members, it was getting really busy. We had a lot of marketing promotions at that time being like, well, there's a new gym in Bolton. I was working a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things happening. So it was nice to make that transition. And then when I, I guess at the same time, it also helps that I do have some work to do with human contact. They still toss me some work. For sure. So it still is the transition. For me, I can't give advice on that full leap. But my advice would be don't leap at zero. Mm -hmm. Leap at like... 40 or 50, if we're talking the scale of 100, let's just say that your job's 100 and zeros, you have nothing to land on. Make sure that something to land on is like 40, 50, 60, somewhere there where it's still kind of safe, whatever right. that is. It sounds to me like, one, you had an exit strategy. Two, a big thing was maintaining relationships. Exit in like a professional manner, maintain the relationship, and look, you got work out of it. That's so exactly bonus. it. And at the time when I gave my two weeks notice, yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to give you guys two weeks, though, because you guys have done so much for me. And I know how important that job was at the time being a one man job. Yeah. I'm like, I'll give you guys a month. I will train that person. Let's find the right person so that when we make that transition, it's Simple. a win win for everybody. And, then and that me giving doesn't... that two extra weeks is nothing in the whole grand scheme of things. Oh, no. Because if I would have just dipped, they probably wouldn't be tossing me work. And now they're tossing me some work, whereas yeah. I gave them some like advantage yeah for sure and now they're giving me stuff too in return they got no loss in their pace yes and the first video that that guy does will have nice audio <laughs> <laughs> yes
Do you have any tips for pushing through an edit that you're really not stoked about? Or uh, maybe there's things that you do that uh, put yourself in a mode where you can get into that flow. Hmm. Do you have any like pre-ritual? You know what? I, I don't. I, th- I think I'm one of the people that you're speaking at saying like, get me something or give me some piece of advice to get out of this. And <laughs> I don't like that happens to me all the time. And there's no real advice that I can get around it. It's just like, I know it has to be done. So I just like sit down and just say to myself, like, if it's done sooner than later, I'll be stoked because <laughs> then it's done and then I can move on. Just try. Do you have any advice? Uh, Do you have any advice on edits that you're not stoked about, but like, you know, it needs to get done? I kind of just drink a Red Bull. Like, I kind of do try to uh, give myself like a goal of like, yes. I'm not moving. Yeah. Until I get at least a minute and 30 in. Yeah. And it has to be good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just like trying to picture that end edit of like, okay, well, what could it be? Yeah. What is like best case scenario of like in my head? Maybe you didn't shoot some of those clips, but yeah. like, then I'll be like, okay, if it, if I want it to look like that, uh, maybe these things need to go here. And yes. There and there. Yes, absolutely. When you're in that flow, it sucks getting pulled out of that flow. Oh, big time. Big time. Yes. No, that's so true. Because especially with editing, people think of just like, yeah, you put video into like a timeline and you just edit it. It's like, yeah, sure. But like, especially for vlogs. And I always go to this because that's something I just love editing and going back and forth from like a montage of something cool happening to like talking. And you're in, and you're in such this flow. And then if you have to get stopped to like go do something, you come back. Mm-hmm. And I find myself re-watching edits so much. Yeah. I, I can't even look at YouTube edit. Like when we post, I can't even look at it anymore, especially it. vlogs. It's kind of like the theory of when you overplay a song and you just cannot listen to it anymore. Yeah. I find that with probably 70% of the videos that I produce. I have a question for you. Would, would you rather shoot or edit? Edit, 100%. I'm always torn. I'm always torn between it. I love shooting, but I'm not as good as I would like to be. I see it. I can see it in my head but I can't get it down to the lens. So how do you get around having that creative block of seeing people, seeing other YouTubers or other creatives and seeing the work and being like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I'll never get up to that. What I've done recently is start trying to pick people who I actually value of what they do in terms of who I follow on Instagram, who I'm watching on YouTube and pick specifically. So I'm not just like, wow, that's an amazing shot. Well, I'll never take a shot of a mountain or I'll never do that because yes. this guy already did it and it's so good. So it's it's a very fine balance of not holding your work to their caliber yeah. and holding judging it to yourself. Yeah, that's, like, that's a really good answer. Here is where I was last time. Yes. And it's better than that. Yes. Cool, I made progress. Yes, like, facts. That's exactly it. And that, that would be my answer too. You look up to these people. But I've always been like that. You've always looked up to people. And then exactly. you doing that and you seeing that and how Peter McKinnon's speed ramps and his color grades and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. makes you aware of that and makes you try it, which yeah. makes you grow. Exactly. And maybe he might still always be better, but at least you're also growing too. Exactly. So you have to find the value in that and not be like, well, damn, I'm never going to be like that. You probably will. But when you're like that, he's going to be somewhere And else. then there'll be someone below you looking up to your stuff being exactly. like, wow, I'll never be as good as him. Always. You're always constantly learning. Yeah. And I feel like if you can't understand that, you're not really going to go further because 
But it's, it's hard to understand that, especially maybe when you're first starting out. And like, obviously, we're over the humps of getting that. But it's, I feel like everybody, like, and you'd be lying if you don't, everybody does that, especially if, if they're in a creative industry like us. And if, even if you're a graphic design, mm-hmm. even podcasts, maybe look at different podcasts, you're like, oh, I've never had, like, I'll never do a podcast. Exactly. Like I'll never do a graphic as good as that, a logo, a video, or whatever as good as that. But you pick up on what, why, why do you think it's that good? Exactly. And then maybe you try doing that out and maybe you put your own tweak on whatever that is to make your own style to make it better. I really feel like the key to getting to the point where you can internally reflect on like, okay, I don't actually need a C300 just to shoot this video. I can do it with what I have is getting internally to that point of cut yourself off from social media for just a little bit of time and then you can be like i'm okay with what i have yeah you know what i have this little point and shoot camera i'm just going to create with that yes and maybe even write down like things that are positive and things that you want to improve on and just reflect on that instead of being forced to reflect on oh what they learned a new thing how come i didn't learn a new thing yes and i feel like since there's so much content you don't have a choice to to make those decisions other people are making that decision and forcing it yes down people's throats which kind of sucks but yeah that, yeah that's what happens when you get something so saturated like yeah that for sure and that's i've always thought about starting a youtube channel but then you think and people always say when you start a youtube channel mm-hmm. make sure you're different from everybody else there is so many <laughs> filmmaking youtube things where i think about something like oh i can make this one video that no one's made yet I'm like, you can't base a YouTube channel off of one video because yeah. no one else has made that yet. But you know what's crazy is how many... I'll find myself in a, a YouTube hole of camera gear and just 35 people reviewing the same camera. Yeah. But I watched all 35 of them. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's true. If you the, want to start, just go for yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Because... No, I, that is a good point. Even if you're telling the same thing as somebody else, you're going to tell it differently. And Nobody's... it comes down to your personality. And I get that. Exactly. And that's something that I, that I still do think about being like, I can start this YouTube channel and talk about gear and whatever, and just talk about tutorials and things that like I like to do with my edits, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But people might like to watch me over this other person or both of us because of my personality. Exactly. And I get that, but you still need to find something. It still doesn't, it can't get me over that hill to actually do it because I'm like, no, I have to be different. Because when I like when I do things, I want to make sure like I can really follow through on them. Right. So I just know that if I if I do it and I sound like everyone else, and I know you're probably not going to get a lot of traction right off the start, and just knowing that you're not that different, just kind of suck. And, and I just know it's not going to motivate me. And maybe that's something I need to get over. But that's just the truth for for me right now. And that's why I my big YouTube channel that I focus on is the gyms. Right. Because a lot of gyms YouTube channel isn't doing the skits or even the type of skits that we're doing and the real personality that we have and the platform that we have. I'd rather give 100% into something that's A, already working very well for us than me trying to be selfish and me being like, oh, I'll just make my YouTube channel. It is really hard to divide yourself in that way. But what I've been doing recently is looking down the line and seeing like, okay, what is my goal in like a couple years, a couple months? And, okay, will I commit to this? Or am I just going to, like, buy all this gear and then just leave it in a month? Yes. And then if your answer, like, ask yourself the simple questions. Do I want to be doing this in three years? Yeah. If you're going to say, yeah, I want to be doing a YouTube channel 
in three years. There's no reason not to start now because in three years you're going to be like, damn, man, I still want to do a YouTube channel. Yeah. I haven't made one video or yeah. I've, I've always wanted to like learn how to graphic design and I haven't mm-hmm. even learned Illustrator. Yeah. And it could go with anything, not just the YouTube channel. Exactly that. Yeah. Like I want to just, I'm a video person. I want to dive into graphic yeah. stuff. But you're, like, oh, I want to stick with video because that's what I'm about. No, if you want to do that, and if you're seriously committed to that, you should at least dabble in that. The biggest thing for me to like not start stuff is well, I can't make it that good. Yeah. Like, I want to write something, but I'm not that good of a writer. I want to shoot this video, but I know it's not going to be that good because of the camera I have, the backdrop. But in like four months from now, a year from now, I'll be like, why didn't I make that? Even if it was like just okay, I still made it. I yeah. still did something. Yeah. I still made something right from my head that is a brand new piece. And you're only going to get better and learn more if if you want to be a writer right it comes something. down it comes down to the pressure of it being shareable and you pushing out into the world and how people are going to react to it yeah. rather than you just doing it just purely for yourself and because you are a creative and you want to create something but then where is that line of like do we create for ourselves or are we just creating for other people because if i'm creating for other people that's bullshit <laughs> like yeah I, th- I think it's a bit of both. Like when I do you, like the stuff, stuff with Kim Navarre and I do these vlogs, when I'm in it, I want to do something that I'm proud of. Yeah. I want to do something I can look back being like, yo, that was cool. I like this music. I like how I did this cut, the speed ramps, blah, 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 But blah, that's blah. passion. Yeah. If you don't have passion for what you're doing and you're solely, I'm going to take this photo because it's going to do really well on Instagram. You shouldn't be a photographer. Yeah. But if you're like, I really want to make this video because I want to fucking tell this story. Yeah. I want to go... Right from the start with this gym, right to the fucking end yes. with this gym. Yes. Because I want to tell their whole story. Facts. That's passion and people will go to that. Yeah. So you don't really have to worry about, is it shareable? But that takes time. Posting that picture being like, oh, I'm going to post this because people are going to like it. Yeah. This generation, as we've all been said, being like, we like things now. But yeah. showing the passion, that shows the actual longevity of people actually caring to follow you. Because I feel like that short-term thing is only going to last for, like, for obviously for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Me doing this passion into this, which you did hit the nail on the head on that, mm-hmm. we grew organically. We grew for people who like actually cared about the stuff that we were doing. Yeah, rather because than being, like, you care about it. Not just me, but even like Ryan and Madison. Yeah, it's the whole yeah, team, but yeah. it, it's exactly it. It's not just like... You showed the true passion behind How it. can we get big? Or yes. It's like, we're going to do this because we really love doing it. And I think a lot of... People are kind of missing it and just like, oh, I want to be a YouTube star or I want to be an Instagram photographer. Okay, do you like taking photos? Yes. Do you like the stuff first? And once you find your passion, then don't worry about it. Just just do it. Just fucking go. Fly with it. And then everything else will come. And if it doesn't, you shouldn't really care. Yeah. If you're doing what you love you're good you shouldn't care because that's something that you actually want to do and if you actually executed on that that yeah. should make you feel good that mm-hmm. wasn't just an idea that stayed in your head it was just like no i want to do this and then you do it yeah and if you're pumped about it or not pumped about it you still did it and mm-hmm. even if you're not pumped about it you probably still learned a lot and will probably still do a bit more just to continue to learn and that should be your decision maker of am i going to make something well are you do you have passion behind it yes if the answer is yes then go do it. Yes. And if that means leaving your nine to five, then figure out some sort of solution to get there. Yes. And that's the, yeah. Yeah. 
the nine to five thing is always just for us. It's easy to say because we're young and we don't have a lot of responsibilities, as in the mortgage and the kids and having to feed that. So I, I get feel that. like I have a lot of responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, I miss uh, being young. Well, you have a dog, so that that probably kind of feels like a baby sometimes. <laughs> No, but like, you know what I mean? Like if, if, a, if somehow like a 40 or 50 year olds listen to this and even if they're getting stoked on this and they need to make this jump, I don't want to be the one responsible of being like, yeah, make mm-hmm. the jump. Come on. Fuck your nine to five. And then he loses his fucking house and he can't pay his, like he can't feed his kid. Right. And that's, yeah. that's the problem with all these motivational people. And not that we're trying to get like, not that we are, but just no, like, yeah. we're talking about this being like, yeah, like you, you live one life. You should do what you want to do. But life's, it depends on what stage you're at in life. And you have to understand that and put yourself in the best position to still make that work, to mm-hmm. still make that passion work. Whether it is if you are in the right time where you can just like drop, go down to zero and not care and just go because that's what you want to do. Or if you're 40 or 50 and have a kid and a wife and a mortgage and a car and things you have to pay off, you have to work for it. Or at least find your balance, your work-life yeah. passion balance. Yes. If you really want to do something, you will make time for it. Yes. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Facts. Ended off with a couple questions. What's one thing that people are sleeping on right now? An album, a movie, a food spot, like you mentioned. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Um, Anything. No rules here. Wow, that's a good one. Instagram story sponsored posts. That's a good one. Stories specifically. Oh, yeah. And understand that. Stories. People, obviously, Instagram's big. And for me, in the way that I use Instagram, I'm pretty half and half of me looking through my feed and me looking through the stories. Mm-hmm. But for the feed, you're hauling ass on that scroll. You're like, cool, cool, next, 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 yeah. next. Your brain just The wired. stories is where but the But the stories is, is like tap, 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 next. Okay, you'll see it. Yeah. And it will last for a bit. And even if you're just quick on that swipe, you'll still see it. If you can make them not click past it, that's it. Yes. That's it. That's the, that's the, that's the uh, one thing that people are sleeping on. Side note, do you know who Jesse Driftwood is on Instagram? No. You should check him out. His Instagram stories are wild. Perfect. And the last thing, where can people find you? Or what should people check out? Obviously, Kingdom of Iron on YouTube. To be honest, that's probably the biggest one. I've been kind of slacking on my uh, respective Instagram page. I was really heavy on that. What's your personal Instagram? My personal one is, I should change this. But it, <laughs> So my name is Ryan Owen, but my, my Instagram name is R-Y underscore Owen. So Ry is Ryan Owen taken? It is. Yeah, well, that's why. Yeah, that's, that's definitely why. Maybe so, I should contact him being like, yeah. <laughs> R-Y underscore Owen. Owen. Yes. Honestly, and just, just follow, I guess this is, a, a lot of this talk was me talking about the stuff that I've done with Kingdom of Iron, and I 100% back that, and I am a part of that. Do so. they have Instagram? Yeah, Kingdom of Iron. Everything's Kingdom of Iron, no spaces. Is it youtube.com slash Kingdom of Iron? That have should you, work. Yeah. I've never actually typed in youtube.com slash Kingdom of Iron. I've just, like, been on YouTube, and, like, I subscribe to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, subscribe, like, comment. No. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming out here. Hell yeah. Peace out. Peace. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Ryan for coming out and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, 
I would encourage you to leave a review or any feedback on whatever platform you're listening to. 